When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sorry about that, we were still talking amongst ourselves, but uh, it's nice to be back. I'm Joe Rimmer, joined today by Tom Cavilla. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been what, over a week, I think, since we've done our last, last podcast. Obviously, the, the Christmas period, um, our staff here, there and everywhere, taking days off, going um, around the country to, to football matches, a lot going on. So apologies for, um, for not being with you, but we are back and we'll be ploughing ahead in the next few weeks and things are getting exciting so tom how are you good christmas yeah very good thanks yeah yes. any, any nice presents uh three points three points boxing day yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. is that, that all you wanted for christmas <laughs> yeah. yeah better var decisions but didn't get that one no no i got no. a velvet sizer from hotel chocolate which i recommend to any of our, our listeners very good if you've uh, never had a velvetized hot chocolate, Tom, you'll never go back. You'll never go back. Um, but yeah, we didn't come here to talk about chocolate. We came here to talk about Liverpool. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a decent week. I think it worked out well in the end. We haven't really been on the pod since the Arsenal game. So I think we'd start there. Yeah. Um, but before we do, um, I did say I'd forget to, to uh, remind people, but our producer is going to be sending us questions um, throughout. So if you, you are watching or listening and want to send us a question, leave one in the comments um, and Ian will, um, will will pop it over to me and we'll, we'll, Tom and I will have a chat about it during the pod. But yeah, um, we'll start with the Arsenal game, Tom, um, uh, on the 23rd. Um, it was... Um, Slightly disappointing in the end. I think it's fair to say I, I was I was hopeful and, and and quite positive going in, and that Liverpool could win the game. I remember on the pod before and saying Hart said two one, Head said one one, and one um, one it was. Um, first of all, just what did you make of it? Big up, big missed opportunity for Liverpool. What did you make of Arsenal? I think it was quite an even game, wasn't it? I think in the end, the draw was probably just about the right result. Yeah, it's, it's... although we'll probably come on to the the big talking point in terms of the. The Odegaard handball, which wasn't given. I mean, if, if that's given and Liverpool go one 0 up, it's a different game. Yeah, yeah. But obviously that that happened after the Arsenal goal anyway, so it would yeah, have been one all. But yeah, it could change the game if that happens. Liverpool score, then you get all the momentum from that. And I think it was unfortunate. I think if you look at it, I, I'm I'm a bit confused as to how it wasn't given as a penalty, and. Liverpool players and Klopp obviously will be very frustrated about that because they could well have gone on to win. But Liverpool, you know, they created a few more chances after that. Mm-hmm. Get the goal back, which was a really good goal. Obviously, from Salah, Trent's pass for the goal was yeah. amazing. But, you know, it was very even after that. Arsenal didn't really create too much in the second half. And, you know, they sort of lost their way a little bit after half time. And Liverpool had a few chances to score, but just couldn't couldn't take it. And uh, yeah, I think a point was probably about right, to be honest. Yeah, I think a point was about right. I, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more impressed with Arsenal as I watch them. I know, I know they obviously dropped points in, in the week and we'll come on to that, but but they look a stronger outfit than they did last season in terms of, I, I don't mean like overall, I mean sort of physically stronger and mentally stronger. Um, but, I, but I thought I thought it was a missed opportunity for Liverpool. That Trent chance will be... You know, it, I hope it doesn't go yeah. down as one of the big missed opportunities of the season. But but you look at that that chance and just you know, it just flowed, didn't it? And I think mm. he just hit it too hard. It was it was just one of them where a little bit of a cooler head was needed. Um, 
agree with you about Odegaard. I mean, not sure how that isn't a handball. Um, I suppose by the letter of the law, I know why it's not because he didn't deliberately handle it, or or certainly you can't prove that he deliberately handled it. And but I, that's why I think the handball rule is really difficult to, to sort of get your head around because if we did go back to deliberate handballs, well how would you ever prove in 99% of cases that it was deliberate? I mean, Odegaard will forever say, and I probably would just about believe him that he slipped and his hand falls down and, and, um, and such as the ball. But, but then again, you know, I, I think, you know, it prevents a, it prevents a big chance for Liverpool. It, it, it was pretty clumsy. I, my, my frustration with VAR, look, we, we, we're going to talk about VAR quite a bit throughout this because I've got it written down a couple of times and it comes up almost every game is why do they suddenly get involved for some things but but stay out of it for others and there's this thing they don't want to re-referee the game but they seem in, in some circumstances quite happy to, to to involve themselves I mean the goals of Burnley will come on to but but that was an instant where I thought why aren't you sending the referee to go and have a look at that and go go and be sure well if they gave that as a penalty as well yeah it wouldn't have got overturned because no, they wouldn't absolutely. say it's clear and obvious error. Yeah. So I think sometimes the referees are, are relying on having that as like a full back yeah, option exactly. of like, oh, if I give this, it, it might be wrong, but they can just chalk it off. Yeah. But I think he didn't want to, I don't know why he didn't give it because like I said, if he gave it, then it's, it would have been given, it would have stood. Yeah. So that's the problem. If they don't, don't give it originally, you then don't get the chance for it. So yeah, I think that I think we're seeing that quite a lot of referees kind of relying on VAR to to sort of get them out of trouble yeah. or make the decision for them sometimes where they're not quite sure. I think that they're just going into it. I'll I'll give it because we've got the VAR to kind of have a look at it for me. Yeah, or like you say, I'll, I'll not give it because yeah. hopefully VAR will intervene. But we're seeing it just seems to be inconsistent when they intervene and when they don't intervene. And and look, I you know. We'll, again, we'll talk more widely about VAR because I know you've got opinions on it, but but I, I don't think... I, I think that's the problem with it. It creates these situations where we want it to intervene sometimes, we don't want it to intervene others, and it just creates an extra layer of of difficulty for referees, of, of frustration for fans. And, and yeah, it, it was a frustrating moment of that game. And, and I think without VAR, you would probably be more... And look, we go back and fans have moaned from the, the very first existence of football but but you know I think you'd be more willing to accept that handball as something that could be missed within the flow of the game if VR, VR wasn't there so it, it, that was a frustrating one but on the whole I think with Liverpool I, I think we just I just think you should see where they're not quite at the levels they've been at the past because there's a bit of an excitement about them I think at times I think they get a bit carried away I think they're not got the cool sort of dead eye composure that, that the best teams at City we've seen have in recent years and and I think in that Arsenal game had they just been a bit more cool and a little bit more bit more composed in the second half they should and, and could have won that game mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean as you say a, a 1-1 draw was probably a fair result and a missed opportunity and a missed weak opportunity really for Liverpool with that and the Man United game I think um I think we'd say, but but this title race is showing those twists and turns, isn't it, throughout? And they go mm-hmm. to Burnley. Um, they win 2-0. Win I mean, it was quite a stressful game because Liverpool go a goal up, look like they're going to go 2-3-4 up within the first 20 minutes, half an hour. And when they don't get that second goal, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. oh, here we go. <laughs> Burnley going to get a scrappy one and we're going to draw this game and, and be so frustrated. But they did finally get the second. But again... More VR nonsense <laughs> within that game. Um, what, what what did you make of it? Well, just on Burnley, I I get what you were saying about being nervous at one 0 I think it did feel like that for a while, but they didn't really look like doing anything. Burnley most of the game, it was just whenever they got forward, they just kind of ran out of ideas when they got down the line, and I thought they were quite poor actually on on the night. And They're naive team, yeah, They're very naive. I mean, they look pretty much nailed on to go down yeah. them and Sheffield United, you'd say. Um, yeah, they, I don't know. When you used to go to Burnley, it always used to be such a tough game that like you dreading going there. But I don't think they've really got that that fear factor anymore of going there. And companies obviously trying to play that style of football, which is you know, exciting to watch, which Burnley never used to do. But yeah. I guess it's not really working out too well at the minute. Um, yeah, the 
the disallowed goals just going on to that i think um particularly the the one involving uh nunez the foul i just i was i couldn't believe that got taken away it was um if you watch it back it, it barely makes contact on him at all and he, and he goes down obviously as most players do in that situation but he's not even appealing for a foul after that happens yeah. he just he's got his hands on his head thinking oh you know we've gone goal down and uh yeah i was couldn't believe that got ruled out to be honest and um the second one's a bit more a bit more debatable in terms of is he blocking the goalie's view i mean we've seen one that city got away with this season for a similar thing at the etihad where at a player stood like that in a position similar to um uh elliot was it yeah and um it got given so Again, is the the question of why is that one given? Why is this one? Trafford seemed to be moving away from the ball anyway as the shot happened, and I, I think that one's always a bit of a tough one in terms of is he actually blocking the goalie's view or not? And that's the only one I can kind of sympathise a bit more because it's quite subjective. Whereas others, like the handball, it, it's quite clear when the player's deliberately done it. Whereas that, it's a bit, it's not quite as clear. I think that one. I see. I take the opposite view to you with those two incidents. Like the first one, I kind of think I'm glad they didn't intervene in that circumstance. Cause you know, look, I don't looking back and watching it again and again, I don't think it's a foul, but, but ultimately that is a referee judgment call. It's fast. It's the sort of thing in the past that you would see ruled out and you would, I'm not saying you'd be okay with it, but, but I think, um, Caspia de Grel says, I've missed you guys and girls. I mean, there's no girls here, but but yeah, I appreciate that. I missed you too, Caspia. Um, but I, I, I thought that that was one that I can kind of accept. But what I can't accept is then that then VR then intervenes for the second goal, which I thought it's it's a whole confusing situation. Does Salah get a shove? Yeah, he probably does. Well, he definitely does. Um, and, and shoved into an off side position. Is he interfering with play? Well, I would say that that ref, that goalkeeper was never getting near Elliot's finish. It was low. It was in the bottom corner. He, he was never getting down to it. Why VAR for the first one goes? Okay, we don't think there's enough there for us to get involved and say go and have a look whether that was a foul. You know, I'm fine with that that they don't do that, but then don't do it for the second one. Yeah, and I, I don't understand why they do that. It, and that again, I don't blame referees. I don't I don't believe in these things like. We want consistency. That's never been a been a thing. You know, consistency in football has never existed between referees and, you know, they're human beings and human beings don't, you, you know, I don't know, you, you don't, you're not consistent in anything really that you, you do in, in those types of circumstances. So I don't believe in that. And I, and I don't believe in refereeing standards and all that sort of thing. But what I do believe is that VAR has added an extra layer of just, it just makes their lives harder. Because if you're on VR, yeah, you probably think, should, should I get involved in this one? And they obviously did with that because they think we're offsides, a bit more clear cut, and, and Salah was clearly offside. But they didn't look at the other reasons around it, which was the shove, which was the the fact that the, the keeper probably was never going to get there. So it, it's just, I mean, I'd say I'm sick of talking about it, but it, <laughs> but but it is kind of a fun talking <laughs> point. You know, I, I always think people say, oh, sick of talking about referees, but... You know, everyone always was always thought about referees, but at the same time, it, it's just I don't know. Every game, it doesn't really matter who's better. I mean, that those those decisions didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Liverpool won the game two 0 They're fine. You know, it they came through it, but they were the main things we were talking about after Liverpool beat Burnley, and and that that I suppose is more the frustration. A couple of questions for our listeners before we um we we continue um. Rod Meta says, "Twist, what can it be?" Well, it's the title race, Rod. I mean, twists every time. Every time, you know, I, look, I watched the <laughs> Arsenal game, Arsenal West Ham, and we'll come on to it in a minute. But first twenty minutes, I thought Arsenal were going to wipe the floor with West Ham, and and um, West Ham went and won. And um, Paul Hexham wants to know how many apologies will Liverpool get from the PG MOL? Well, I don't think that many because um, they'd be apologising to everyone <laughs> all the time, wouldn't they? So, um, but yeah. Um, some performances to take from that Burnley game. First of all, Darwin Nunes, a much, much needed goal and a great finish. But yeah, that, that was much needed, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think the funny thing with him is it always seems to be he scores the hardest goals possible. 
and then will miss from two yards. Yeah, um, that just seems to be the way with him. He scored that goal at Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup, which was another sort of ridiculous goal from outside the box in the top corner. And then you, you see him have a chance, like a one-on-one. He'll hit the bar, he'll put it over the bar. So he just needs to work on taking the easy chances, really. If he did that, he'd, you know, yeah. he'd be well into double figures for goals. So I think that's just a frustrating thing with him. He, you know he can do it. It's just why why not take the easy ones that Salah you know, will take 99% of the time? I think that's just the difference between him and you know someone like Salah at the minute. He's not that ruthless striker that we see. That ruthlessness, that comes back yeah. to what I meant a bit against Arsenal. It's like, I think there's too much of that in the Liverpool team at the moment to take them that one step further. I think mm. if Nunes had a bit more of that ruthlessness, we'd see a better player and a, you know, and the team would take the team to new heights. But like, I, I just think my, my issue with him is he doesn't have enough influence on games consistently. You know, we seem to go through a six game spell where we go, wow, Darwin Nunes. Yeah. And then six games where you're frustrated with him. And, you know, again, the United games is another example of, of, I just think the the forward line not being influential enough when you really needed them. But sorry, go on, Tom. But he, he's still having the problems with the offsides. He was offside uh, two or three times in both games. I think him and um, Alanga, the yeah, two most yeah. offside players in, in the league this season, I think it's 16 each. They've been offside. And it, and it's, it's not even like ones where he's just gone a bit too early. It's so many times yeah. where you think he should be looking across the line and mm-hmm. get himself back onside. He just seems to be daydreaming and, yeah. and that or, or just not switched on. So that, that is, that is hugely frustrating. But go on, sorry. So that's something, yeah, he needs to work on that. I think that's, I think that's actually more annoying than the actual finishing problem because that's something you'd work on in training or, or should know as a player by his age, when to run, when not to run. But he just seems to be just always in the wrong place or, or when he'll get the ball, it's not quite sure what to do with it. And, it's very clunky at times. It's not. It's not very easy on the eye watching him. Um, I mean, that's fine. But as long as you score, but he's not been scoring either. So I think if you compare him with Jota, it's you know the complete opposite. He'll come on and take one chance and score, and and that's the difference. I think Jota's the best finisher apart from Salah, obviously at the club. Yeah. See, I, I think Jota quite often. He, he, I think he gets lost in games a little bit, but like you say, he's a bit more, he's more influential in the final third. And it was great to see him back, wasn't it? And and scoring. And um, I think Liverpool have massively missed him, yeah. in, especially in those games against Arsenal and Man United where you just need a, something a little bit different where you know that the ball is going to be in the opposition box a fair bit. And, you know, the United game especially, they were taking a lot of shots from distance when you thought if they just, you know, work it in a bit more. But they, without someone like Jota, they're not taking those types of chances. So, yeah, I think it, it's massive. And and again, I go back to, I think the rest of the Premier League are underestimating the injuries Liverpool have had this season. They've had some really, really bad injuries. And you look at the state of the squad now, no left-backs now with two pretty freak injuries there. A, a centre-half who is, is out for the season, who would be playing probably the majority of games. Um, and that has not going to affect because Joe Gomez, who's been playing in right-back and centre-back, centre is now going to have to play at left-back for a spell. Um, Funny Jota. still had James Milner. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> Could but have played him everywhere. Midfielders going down, you know, two two of which have not played all season. Um, it, it and then now we're going to have two players going off to, to different cup competitions. So, it, it, you know, I, I look at teams like Arsenal, who yeah they've had injuries here and there, but they've not been hit anywhere near as hard. And that's probably the most impressive thing for me about Liverpool this season is they've managed to to only be beaten once in a very controversial game and, and stay stay in touch and or not just stay in touch, put themselves top. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But it also, it's a weird season, isn't it? Because I feel like the first half of it, every team you look at them, the, every set of supporters will be looking thinking... We should be further ahead, or we should be more in touch. You know, I look at Liverpool and think so many missed opportunities, and I worry that they'll pay for them. Um, but sorry, going back to the Burnley game, I wanted to chat to you about Endo and Salah. I thought Endo again was superb. Um, he's really grown into life at Liverpool, and and I, I'm hoping and this uh, uh, Asia Cup isn't isn't a great great thing for him in terms of this. But I'm hoping with what we're seeing with him is just that spell. That, 
that the players have had at Liverpool adjusting to the pace, to the style, to to the system, um, you know, to being a defensive midfielder who has to has to patrol an area of the pitch pretty much alone, you know. Um, so I, I think um, I think it's been quite impressive to see him get to grips. You know, there, there were times earlier in the season, especially in the Europa League, I really like the way he passed the ball. He, he fizzes it forward with a lot of purpose. He's he's good in the air, for, especially for his size. He's got a good leap on him. He's quite influential there, but he, but he was just, you, you felt like he was picking up bookings and, mm. and just was like a second slow. You reminded me a little bit of Lucas. You know, I used to like Lucas a lot, but the, what was probably stopping him from being the next level was was just that little bit of quickness across a couple of yards and 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 just reading the game maybe a sl- slight bit earlier. But we're seeing him come to terms with that, and he's become a really influential player for them, hasn't he, over the last month or so? Yeah, it's uh, bad timing for him. <laughs> this coming up when he's in such a good run and playing every game which he wasn't obviously earlier in the season. So, you know, he's taking his chance in the team. You just just worry a little bit when he comes back, whether he'll get straight back in or not. With McAllister now coming back, it will be interesting to see what Klopp does in terms of that when he comes back. And if he goes straight back in or has to try and work his way back into the team again, like he had has done before this. So, I mean, Liverpool want him back as soon as possible anyway, because it's just another option to have and when you've got all these games coming up so I mean it's pleasing for him that he's he's been playing well um, you know Liverpool needed someone to kind of take control of that position really because they tried a few people there and McAllister's looks good on at times not so good at other times and I'm sure McAllister doesn't really want to play in that position anyway so if Endo continues playing there it does free up the other option of just having McAllister in uh, just in midfield to the side of him on the left or um, or the right or Subozlai as well. So, yeah, it just gives Liverpool another option in that part of the pitch. And the fact that he's doing so well, it does raise the question whether Liverpool will look to sign someone else in that area. That's obviously been a position that been a lot of talk about potentially signing someone, Andre or Joel Polinia. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, can't see Klopp bringing someone else in if he, he rates Endo so highly, which he clearly does. He th- he obviously sees him as that person to fix that position and, and be the main player, which I don't think many people really saw him as when he was signed. It was kind of seen as more of a stopgap signing or... Well, I, I did even just say that what, whatever happens, he's not long-term, is he? He's, no, he's, he's the wrong size of 30. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, you, even if Klopp does see him as the, the immediate future... You know, and Andre, who's what, 22? 22? Yeah. Um, you know, surely, and, and as well, if you take into account that a lot of these players in this position, especially, seem to need the adjustment period, then then why not sign someone sooner rather than later who can adjust and get some game time whilst Endo is, is in and out and, and also whilst the rest of the midfield is in, in a bit of a state of flux, I think, at the moment? Mm. Yeah, I mean... I would like to see Liverpool do that, but I I'm not sure whether they oh, will. <laughs> no, I agree. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I would. It would be a good uh, surprise if they do, but I just uh, I don't know. Just from Klopp's comments and what we've seen in the past in January, they seem to be very reluctant to do anything big unless it's absolutely necessary to the team. Yeah, or, or whether they find a deal. Yeah. I mean, I think Liverpool again. I've got transfers written down, so we'll we'll come to it in a bit more detail later on. But but. Uh, Liverpool seem to to take opportunities in January, don't they? The, the Cody Gakpo thing, you know, it was probably not a deal that they were going to do in January, yeah, or that they even needed to do last January, but mm-hmm. they obviously saw a chance to do it. Um, Zach Emerson on Facebook's asked, uh, "Do you think Salah is more unselfish in front of goal this year compared to previous years?" It's a good question because mm-hmm. I I don't think I've detected it, but I do think I don't think he's he's more unselfish in front of goal, but I think he is more of a of a team man yeah. in terms of a leadership role, in terms of he, he seems to be a bit more involved rather than just being sort of, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to answer. It's a good question because I, I, I don't think I've seen times where I thought, oh, well, Salah could have shot there and he's passed because he's just not that sort of player. But he, he does seem more involved in, in the Liverpool process overall. And I think I wouldn't be surprised and the things you hear is he's more influential perhaps behind, behind the scenes. And I wonder whether that's, 
a role that he's now growing into in the team. And and again, I wonder whether that's a way of Liverpool saying to him, look, you're important. Saudi are going to come knocking again, maybe next summer. You can go and be someone in Saudi or you can be an influential Liverpool player um, all round in the way that Van Dijk is, you know, behind the scenes as well. What, what, what do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think he's been definitely guilty of that in the past. Like when when Fabinho and Mane were up front of him, he definitely, there were times where you think you need to pass that and he would just take try and take the shot on. My my only thing with him is, um, I think the assists sort of speak for themselves in terms of he is more of a team player. But the one thing I don't like from him in terms of a selfish point of view is that reaction we see sometimes when he gets subbed off and it's almost like, you can't take me off. It's throwing a bit of a strop. I think he did it the first game of this season at Chelsea, yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. And he's done it a few times before. And I just don't like that. It, it kind of reminds me a bit of Ronaldo, that yeah, kind of arrogance and of I'm too good to be taken off. So, yeah, I don't like that. I, I find that a bit annoying, to be honest. <laughs> so I hope he, he stops doing that because it's quite frustrating to see that. But if you hear all the players talk about him, he seems to be a bit more of a voice, perhaps around the training ground, you know, perhaps with some of the younger players. I mean, I've always got the feeling that, you know, well, not the feeling, you know that he's, they say he's first in, last out at the gym, you know, he's he's often he's often putting in extra work. But I think perhaps in the past where he's been a bit more solitary, now he's he's sort of passing on advice. Now he's, he's taking youngsters to one side, taking other players. So I think we're seeing a more unselfish seller as perhaps a person yeah. rather than rather than maybe just on the pitch. Um, Rob Meta has, has thanked us for clarifying the, the twist. I mean, I, I think there's been lots of twists and turns in this title race so far, Rob. I mean, the the fact that it's in capital letters, it's just YouTube loves capital letters. <laughs> you like us when we shout things at you, so I'll shout twist. Um, but there was a twist um, because we've talked Endo Salah, so the next twist was, was the West Ham game. Uh, did you watch the Arsenal-West Ham game, Tom? I only saw some of it because yeah. I had football on pretty much every day yeah, over Christmas, so I was yeah. told I couldn't have it on another night. But I, I watched, uh, I saw some of it first half. Yeah, I watched a bit of it and then I turned over and watched Saltburn. Overrated, overrated. <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, I um, I thought Arsenal were going to wipe the floor with West Ham. They, they were, they had a lot of the ball, they were probing and passing. Odegaard looked good playing little balls through. Saka was getting on the end of them. And I suppose they had that one of those days that I feel like we've watched Liverpool have so many times where a team gets one chance, scores, and then you just know. You just know that you're not going to find a way through. And um, West Ham, I think David Moyes, football genius. I think he's, he's done an incredible job there, to be fair. I, I think he's created a really good team. I, I really like Bowen. You know, I, I'd, I'd love him at Liverpool in a heartbeat. Um, I said to you before tonight, Tom, that I think Suchek's the sort of player that would go to most of the clubs and, and, and not really be very good. But at West Ham, he seems to have a, a really influential role. Um, love Paqueta. Uh, I know he went off injured, but I think he's got great ability. Um, and they, they seem quite solid. So so West Ham just did a number on them, didn't they? And, and I suppose, Tom, it just sort of shows how odd this season's been. Like I said before, I think all teams at the top would probably look at it and go, well, we've not really peaked. We've not really played our best football. We've not really even put together that much of an impressive run, but each of them have kind of had a turn at the top. Um, I know that you have written off Man City yes. this season. Yeah. And I know that you've been a bit of a, you know, you think Arsenal probably stand a big chance. Where do you stand now this, this uh, past couple of weeks? I haven't really changed too much, really. I, I still think that Man City are going to come up short. I know they came back in the end against Everton, but again, went 1-0 down in the game. Again, it's not really something you, you we see from them very often in the part. They would normally take control of that game and then just kill it off second half, maybe get another goal, 2-0, 3-0. They're, they're constantly chasing games at the minute, going 1-0 down. It's so unlike them. And, and something just doesn't look right there. I don't know what it is. I just the balance isn't right. They've got a lot of players injured, obviously, as well, which isn't helping. But I think even that a lot of their fans are saying it's probably not our year. We're not playing the best football we, we normally play. But obviously, they're still up there, so they could do it. But I think it's between Arsenal and Liverpool. And I obviously backed Arsenal to win it before the season. But I'm going more towards Liverpool and more I'm seeing at the minute. And uh, yeah, that Arsenal game the other night just kind of reinforce the point everyone's making about their lack of firepower and attack, whether they 
address that in January could change things in terms of their chances. I mean, Ivan Tony's someone that's been mentioned, but that, that's incredible, I think... isn't it? I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but but I've seen that a lot. Ivan Tony, a guy who's not played for what eight months now. Um, yeah, I, I know. Look, he's I, a really good, good player. Good player. <laughs> Twenty goals last season, um, and he, I think he is the sort of forward that, that they need. But I still think it's a huge gamble because they'd have to spend big money on him as well to, to prize him from Brentford in in January. So, I mean, that, that's a gamble, though, isn't it? I should, probably shouldn't use that word. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens with that, but um, I think it would be a really good signing if they did get him in terms of how fit he would be and sharp for Arsenal. We don't know. He, I imagine he'd be training all the time while he's not been playing, but obviously it's different to actually being in the games. Solanke's another one that's been mentioned a little bit. Looks great, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, so Solanke's one of those players that when he was at Liverpool, I, I thought you could tell he had ability. He was quite good on either foot, quick, but I, I just didn't think no. he'd ever put it fully together. And and when Liverpool got what nineteen million for him from from Bournemouth, you were like, God, Michael Edwards. That was at the, the time when Michael Edwards seemed to, <laughs> you know, he, he he could sell anything, couldn't he, for for a big fee. And and but but you're seeing now that that that's why I suppose Liverpool rated him so highly. Um, but yeah, again, I think I think he'd be a good signing for Arsenal. Yeah, and if they get someone like that, it, obviously it changes things a little bit because Jesus has never really been that clinical striker in front of goal he he was great city in terms of linking up with the other forwards and then aguero or or uh, sterling someone else would score the goals but he was never really that 20 goal a season strike he's never been that and i think arsenal fans were thinking they, that he was going to be that for them and he's not so they haven't really got a great goal scorer so that could be the only thing that holds them back along with the goalkeeper i think those are the two areas of concern for them yeah i, I still think the way i see this title race um I still think you're mad to write off Man City. I mean, we've seen so many times, whether it's six points, seven points, that they come back from and they just put together a stupid run in the second half of the season where they they, they go and score, sorry, go and win an incredible amount of games in a row. Um, so I will never write them off. And I think with De Bruyne coming back, um, Haaland, you know, He's had fitness problems, but he, he generally doesn't miss a great deal of games, or certainly didn't last season. So with those sorts of things to fall into place for them, I just think City will go on a run. Um, they, they always do. Uh, I don't think evidence... There's no evidence to suggest they, they won't. There's more evidence to suggest that they will, but go on. But the thing you're saying about Tony, De Bruyne's not played for months, so he's not no, going to be but, sharp when he comes back either. But he already knows the Man City system. We already know... How, how good he is, and, and with respect to Ivan Tony, I think De Bruyne's <laughs> one of the best. You know, you could probably put him in when he's playing the top five footballers on the planet. You know, I, I don't. I, I just think that I think that Man City are the biggest hurdle either Arsenal or Liverpool have got to overcome. Um, you know, the the great thing for Liverpool is they'll have Man City to play at home. Yeah, and and I think that's massive. Um, Arsenal have to go to, to the Etihad, and 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 that's why. I think Liverpool at home, when Anfield knows how important it will be, um, could could be huge yeah. in this title race. Gone the last few times it's been Liverpool going to City yeah. around yeah. like April time, yeah. Yeah. around when the title's still on the line, and and that's never a good position no. to be in. So no. that could be a big difference. Like yeah. you say, yeah, Arsenal have really impressed me. You know, I think they added the players that they they needed in the summer. I love Declan Rice. I think. I'm very jealous of, of, of him. I think he'd, he'd be an incredible player for Liverpool, exactly what they need. Um, a leader, he's strong, he covers the ground well, he's a good passer, he can drive forward, good tackler, uh, can play at centre-half. You know, there's there's so many great things to like about Declan Rice, Saliba. I thought the Liverpool game, Saliba was absolutely superb. And, and I, you know, I haven't watched Saliba that closely, so that was the first time I, I really thought, you know, I'll keep an eye on him and, and I thought, brilliant. Um and um, I love Saka and I love the guard. I think are great players, and and they've impressed me with a bit more steel at times this season. But I still think Arsenal have got. I think Liverpool's advantage over Arsenal is that Arsenal will have that grain of doubt that Liverpool had for years trying to win a title again, which was like, you know, can we actually do this? Can we actually stay in the race for long enough? Can we overcome it? And. I think 2018-19, when they won the Champions League and came back against Barcelona, the magic of that, plus the, the consistency that they showed in the league, showed them and convinced them that they could. Um, 
I'm not sure Arsenal have had that moment where that, that will com- that's convinced them yet that they're they're good enough to, to last the distance. I think if anything, last season may have have given them some doubts. And the way that we react now with football, when even when if someone goes three points ahead, we tell them that they bottled it. If, <laughs> if they lose the title, I don't think Arsenal bottled it last season, but I think they're all psychological things that will that will will, will have a bearing. Man City, obviously, we know what they can do, but but Liverpool have got a balance of players who've won it before, the likes of Salah and, and Van Dijk, Allison, Trent, Robertson. I think all of those players could be hugely influential because they know how to go the distance. And then they've also got a little bit of what Arsenal have got in the sense they've got those younger, hungrier players like a Nunes, whose brand of chaos can sometimes frustrate, but also the enthusiasm to to go out and win things, to, to, to take chances, I think is really important. So they've got a good bl- blend there and, that could carry them through, but I think this next month is going to be huge with the, the African Cup of Nations and, 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 and uh, the Asia Cup and, and just some tricky tricky fixtures and um, the, the League Cup semi-finals, of course. Uh, Paul Hexham on Facebook. Thanks again, Paul, for the question and for listening. Has asked, is Nunes better off coming off the bench due to his pace and, and he preferred to see Jota given a run of games, which I would probably agree with now if Salah wasn't going to the African yeah. Cup of Nations. I definitely think Nunes needs to be taken out the firing line. Yeah. If Jota was fit, he would have been. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think so. I think the problem Liverpool didn't have was just not having Jota available. Otherwise, I think yeah. Nunez would have been dropped because he just looks so ineffective the last sort of month or so up front. And Gakpo's not really been a great alternative at times, has he either? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's a bit more... It links up the play a bit better than Nunez. I think he just becomes a bit isolated and... and if it's not going well, he just he kind of sticks out as someone who's not really getting involved, whereas Gakpo can come a bit deeper and link up with the midfield. And I just think he's more more intelligent player than Nunez in terms of what he's able to do. So, yeah, I, I, will, I think we'll see Jota starting pretty much every game now, hopefully. <laughs> and then it will just be a case of, well, Diaz, Gakpo, Nunez in terms of who, you know, who goes where. Yeah. John, Mark and Annie um, on, on YouTube has said that we need to get bodies back, absolutely. And and the front three need to step up in the absence of, of Mo. And that, that's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, Diaz, I think this season, yeah, has been a bit hot and cold. And I think we need to see him start scoring a few more goals. And I, I was I was stunned reading Doyle's piece the other day about Diaz that that was only his second assist, I think, of the season um, the, the other day against Burnley for, for Jota. So that that's just not, I don't think that's enough. I think you, yeah. you need, and Liverpool in the past, all three players have con- contributed with with a great amount of goals or assists. Um, so I think you need more from Diaz. And I think Diaz kind of gets away with it a little bit because of Nunez's sort of madness and ability to hog the headlines. I think Diaz has sort of, obviously he's had a very difficult season uh, on and off the pitch, but, but I think we'd like to see more of him. And obviously Jota stepping up now, he's fifth. Um, which brings us on really to January. Um, Alison Williams on Facebook says a winninger should be priority in January with Salah leaving for AFCON and pe- potentially permanently next summer. And funnily enough, Alison, I think that's the sort of signing that wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool made. I think everyone's looking at centre-back. Everyone's looking still at defensive midfield. But if we know anything about Liverpool, it's kind of to expect the unexpected. And I think yeah. in January, they, they jump on things that they see a chance to do and it wouldn't surprise me if they they've had a winger in mind for for eighteen months or so, and they see a chance to buy them and, and go and do it. I, I've got a feeling, Tom, that we'll come out of this window, and they'll have bought somebody. It just might not be enough to to really make a great difference. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do, and also what Man City. I, I actually think they're going to yeah, do some yeah. business in January because. We've seen it before with City. If they want a player, they'll just go and buy it. It doesn't yeah. matter the, what the price is. So Pep's probably looking at his team right now, thinking, I'm not happy with this. Calvin Phillips is going in January. So that's one less option from them from the bench. That that was classic Man City. I mean, <laughs> like Liverpool don't Liverpool spend sixty million then though and they persevere. Man City spent fifty odd million on a promising young England midfielder and he barely plays a game gets called fat by his manager <laughs> and chucked to the one to one side and and you know you look at the clubs he's being linked with some big clubs as well isn't he so um I, i'm fascinated to see calvin phillips whether he goes on and, and makes something of himself I, hopefully this spell at city doesn't destroy him but you do look at him and wonder if liverpool have got their hands on him could he have been a completely different player the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo
the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, so I think they're, they're going to probably sign a couple of players, I think. So that's a worry and because uh, they're usually pretty spot on with who they sign. And Arsenal, yeah, again, the same thing. I can see them bringing in at least one or two big names because I just think they'll see this as a big chance to push on and try and win the league. And Arteta's comments the other day yeah. even said that they're willing to spend. So I think Liverpool need to be a bit careful of not getting left behind in terms of you don't need to go and sign four players or five players for 50 million each, but one player could make a big difference. Doesn't Even if it's just, doesn't really matter which position, just a bit more depth in, in any position would be <laughs> helpful at this point of the season because we know there's going to be more injuries along the way. There always seems to be. So, yeah, I don't think it can harm to have another player coming in. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And I think whenever you look at the times Liverpool have, uh, have, have kicked on the second half of the season, last year, Gakpo, you know, and he made a difference. He scored, what, seven goals in the second half of the season and just sort of gave Liverpool a, a bit of a, a bump. Van Dijk was massive, wasn't he, when he came in um, and kicked them on. Obviously, the years ago when they had storage and and um, and and Coutinho Coutinho. in the same window. Even Minamino, you know, yeah. in the in the tight winning season, they signed Minamino. It it sort of pushed them on. Um, you know, I think those sort of signings that supplement or just fill little gaps make a big difference. And and Liverpool this year have a couple of obvious big gaps. And I think I think there's this. Weirdness about Klopp, where he is very stubborn. If they, if someone asks him in a press conference about transfers, he, he's almost like offended. Why, why do you always think about transfers? And I think, well, because the evidence is there <laughs> to show that transfers, when you get them right, and Liverpool, to be fair to them, quite often get them right. You know, the ones they get wrong are the ones they don't make. So, so like, I think for Liverpool, it's it's you know, for Klopp, he shouldn't be so concerned about no one's knocking anyone else in the squad no one's saying that you're the center half so rubbish you need the center half people are just saying you're a bit light and Kanate is a great player but gets injured a lot Matip has been a brilliant servant but is currently injured and was coming to the end of his deal I think in midfield Endo could be a great signing for 18 months two years but we know that he's not going to play for Liverpool for the next six seven years so so why why are we not thinking about those things and why is it not a natural thing to ask? So I think with Liverpool, I wish they were a little bit more aggressive and I really hope that we don't look back at this January as a, as a missed opportunity. Because like you say, I was reading Arteta's quotes through the day about, about the January window and he seemed quite bullish about them wanting to sign people. Um, you know, we know that Man City do and Pep. Pep doesn't seem to have the same stigma around signing people. No. He seems to be able to coach and go, you know what, I'll still sign players. And then, you know, obviously, I said to you before in the office, I find it hilarious that a club like Chelsea, Pochettino's talking about signing players when, that you know, and I know he's still new to the job, but God, they've signed that many players in the last two, three years. Surely he should he should be doing the opposite. He should be getting on the coaching, on the, on the field and coaching his players and, and making them better. But yeah, I, I think Liverpool... I just really would like them to be aggressive in this window and and just try and try and get one signing in those areas. You know, a centre back would would fill me with much more confidence if they could get one in because, you know, with the left back situation with Kanate's injury record, I really like Quanta. I think he he's a really good young player, but I don't necessarily think that you completely kill his progress if you go out and buy someone. I think if anything, you give him an extra challenge to step up to. You you give all of them an extra challenge, and that. You know he'll sink or swim, won't he? And and if he swims, then then great. You know then, you know you moved Matip on, you moved Kanate on. That that's football. It's it's doggy dog at times, but but I I think Liverpool should be a little bit a little bit more aggressive. Uh, moving on from January, Tom. Um, a couple of things left to discuss. We'll we'll start with VAR. Um, just because I thought we had an interesting conversation in the office earlier. Um, would you get rid of it? Would you keep it? Would you make I'd it better? Get, get rid of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I really don't like it. Yeah. I think it's just ruined a lot of things in terms of not being able to celebrate goals, even something like that. Everyone's constantly, is it a goal? Every we see a player score, and the first thing they do now is yeah. is have a look back at the linesman. Or saying that that is the one successful bit about VAR, isn't it? I know take the Diaz Tottenham thing out of it, but but by and large, even if it's frustrating to see someone be offside by their elbow, at the same time, that is the bit where you can kind of you can't really argue with it as much. But sorry. Well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> you it's, can't... it's not as fun. It's not as fun. But... No, it just it just takes all the fun out of it. Yeah. I, I just 
if someone's offside by the fingertip or the elbow, I, just give it as a goal. It doesn't need to. Not why do we? Advantage, are you? Why does it need to be perfect on every decision? Like that's what it was brought in for to you know to make the right decision. But now we're being so precise about the everything. The problem with offside is they can't not be precise. Can they? Can't go well. That's only his fingertip, but. We'll give the next one because it's his knee. You know, I think they they have to literally draw a line somewhere. But, but I, I agree. It doesn't. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun to go. You know, you've just scored a great goal, and but everyone stopped because because yeah, it's his toe or whatever. But, but but I mean the the refereeing thing. I mean, I've never seen a season in history more the, than than this one that that almost fans of every club think there is some sort of agenda or conspiracy against their own football team, and and that. You know, again, there's something that people have long thought. You know, Liverpool fans thought in the '90s that Man United got every decision, but but now you look at it and like Arsenal fans are there the other night because because the West Ham goal, given it, you know, we don't get any decisions. Man City, we don't get any decisions. Liverpool, we don't get any decisions. It it's you know, Everton don't get any decisions. It, it's it's every club, and it's just amplified by this VAR nonsense where we watch everything over and over again and we all say well that's obvious that should have been a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty the Everton one against Man City the other night you know I think you'd be screaming for it if you if 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 your team you know was would have had, had that shot but I think the flip side of it is if it's against you yeah you're saying how can he get his hands out the way it's just a nonsense and it's so so frustrating and 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 also you know I don't think it's good for the league I don't think it's good for the Premier League when they're constantly getting told they're corrupt you know it's not it's just not good. It's not a good look. It's not a good feeling. It's just it's just terrible. Tom, anything to add? I mean, I would get rid of it. They're not going to get rid of it because they've invested all the money and the technology for it, but I'm not a fan at all. I think football's... I don't enjoy watching it as much as before, I would say, in terms of no. before VAR. It just... It just becomes tiring, like watching a game with all this, this stop-start, check this, check that... And then it's again the fine margins of being offside by the toe, and I, I just think it's yeah. I, I'm not a fan. I, I would get rid of it, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> Paul Hexman um, has completed the half trick, left foot, right foot header, and um, and gone in with VAR isn't broken. It's the idiots. Um, people are in charge of it. Uh, look, Paul. I, I mean, no, I know that a lot of people in the comments won't agree with me, but I, I don't necessarily think it is the idiots are in charge of it. I just think anyone would struggle to it is the the most difficult and most I, I don't know anyone who wants well Matt Addison but anyone else <laughs> who'd want to be a referee I just think you will never ever win and it is just it's a terrible system that it's letting everyone down it's letting the people who run it down because I don't think they can do it well enough because it we're asking for something that isn't an exact science to be an exact science and and I think we've moved too far away with that from technology. And um, we're going to wrap it up shortly, Tom. But before we do, really quickly, because um, well, we should pick a team really for the Newcastle game, shouldn't we? Um, <laughs> so we'll do that, and we'll do our um, our team of the year maybe on the next pod. I think um, I think that's one we can do in the new year. Um, but go on, let's pick a team quickly for Newcastle. Um, Allison in goal. Yeah. Who's your Who's your back four? Um, well, I guess it's going to be Gomez, left back. Has to be probably probably uh, Van Dyke, Quanza, or Kanate. Credit to Quanza, by the way, for making that question. Yeah, you know that's fair I, play to lad. Yeah. I thought he was excellent at Burnley the other night. I, I imagine it'll be Kanate yeah. just because of the rotation, and then Trent, obviously. Yeah, I, I think. It, it, yeah, I think probably Kanate just shades it, doesn't he, with the experience. But great, it's a bit great of a tough physical it. game against Newcastle, yeah. so it's probably better to have him in. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, um, midfield three. I'm going to go first this time. Endo, Sabozlai. Do you throw McAllister straight back in? I don't know because we're going to need him a lot with um, with 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 Endo going off the Asia Cup. So I'll probably put Jones in there. Your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put McAllister back in. I think he'll, uh, the fact that he's been training, I think he's probably yeah. better than Klopp's letting on. Yeah. So I think McAllister, Subozlai and Endo yeah. for the midfield. Yeah. Actually quite excited to see that midfield. What now, I suppose McAllister coming back from injury, but but now Endo's completely up to speed. And, and um, yeah, Ian McCartney's asking what the title twist is. It, it was West Ham. I mean, it, it's quite a lot of 
twist recently. I, I, Arsenal dropping points, Liverpool not winning either of those games. I mean, I I, th- I think maybe I'm wrong. I think this is quite an exciting title race, Ian. But but thanks thanks for asking. Um, watch the start of the pod. Watch the start of the pod. Um, but but um, <laughs> yeah, um, like like watching the end of the Sixth Sense. Um, where are we up to our midfield? Um, yeah, quite excited to see that midfield in action. So Bosley, McAllister, and, and Endo. Um, yeah, now they're up to speed. It's just a shame that, that Endo's going off. Who's your, who's your forward line? Salah's going to get one last game before he goes, yeah. so he's going to start. Definitely, yeah. Jota, yeah. start him, and Gakpo. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. I yeah, I agree. And, and Nunes had such a, an influence, didn't he, off the bench against Newcastle, I'm sure. If you get into seventieth minute and you need a goal, um, he's apologised. Sorry, sorry, and didn't mean to. He's apologised for joining late. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. But um, no, thanks for listening and, and thanks for um, for um, for asking a question. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I think Nunes with his influence, um, with his influence in, in the previous game. I just think, imagine if you're Newcastle and he's coming off the bench, and the, you know if the game is nil nil or one one or whatever in the 70th minute, you, you probably wouldn't like to see him. So, yeah, I agree. And, and Gakpo, I think, is just playing himself into a bit of form, so I'd like to keep him in there. So, yeah, prediction. Well, Newcastle are not doing very well at the minute. They've no. got a lot of injuries. I think Liverpool have won the last five games between them, yeah. between the teams. I think. Uh, I'm going to say 3-0. Three, 3-0, three nil. Three nil, yeah. yeah. I'll say 2-0. I, I think, yeah, I think and hope Liverpool will, will just have a bit too much for Newcastle. I think they will have a little fight, Newcastle, because um, they are, like you say, they're they're under a lot of pressure at the moment. They've struggled. Um, but um, I just think Liverpool have got too much for them. And yeah, that will mean they'll go back top of the table, won't it? Um, so, well, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Arsenal win at Fulham, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating that Arsenal get to play first and they play on, on Sunday but yeah um, hopefully Liverpool do win on Monday and go back top of the table um, we'll leave it there we'll be back next week I'm not sure what day because New Year's Day is Monday so maybe maybe Tuesday um, and um, to discuss that game um, to look ahead to a very very busy January and to talk transfers and yeah I think we will try and do our, our team of the year um, as well and our player of the year but um, thanks for joining in thanks for everyone that, that sent in questions um, we'll try and do more um Q&A pods like this I think it's quite fun to get people involved and um, thanks for thanks for hanging on this week I'm sorry for the uh, the, the delay, delay on the pods it's a bit of um, a bit of a time of change here at the Echo and at Reach so um, hopefully we can get through it and we, we do appreciate all your support hope you had a great Christmas um, with your families and your friends um, and thanks very much and, and see you in 2024 You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo